What's good, JCC fam? I'm really glad that we are back at the fourth episode of Words for 2022. I've been using this tag to help us to hang our 2022 on some particular concepts, some particular vocabulary, some particular words that are to help us as we traverse and travel in the course of the year. I hope that the words have spoken to you. I hope they have ministered to you at a specific a specific place and that you are at a place now that you are willing and ready to go with God to the next level. Just allow me to recap with you a little bit where we have been so that we know where we are going. The first word was remember. The aim of the word remember is to teach you and remind you that Christ should be the center of your life. There should not come a place and a time in which Christ is so distanced from you, but rather he should be the focus in your mind so that he will be guiding you and leading you along. He should be first and last in your life. The second word was rich. And I help you to understand that your outward circumstances do not determine or diminish your inward condition. Your net worth is not affected by whatever you go through. No matter the difficulty, the challenge it is, you remain steady with God. And then last week I told you that there are some things you just got to refuse. You just got to say no to. Number one, you got to refuse to give in to Satan. Number two, you got to refuse to give in to the struggle. And number three, you got to refuse to give in to synthetics. And today I want to bring you the fourth word for 2022. And it is found in the message of Jesus to the church of Thyatira. I'll be reading from the English version, the English Standard Version this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, kindly turn to Revelation, the second chapter in the 18th verse. Revelation 2, 18, Jesus says, Unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God. This is the first time in Revelation Jesus needs to employ the title, the Son of God, and it is the only time Jesus employs this title. The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like the flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, Jesus wants to impress us of his own majesty, of his own greatness. Then he continues, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. And that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. And is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and I will... And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. You now you can learn to sin 
but also you can learn to repent of the sins you have learned. That's what Jesus is getting at right here. Verse 23, And I will strike her children, those who follow her, those who have committed themselves to her, I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of God, the deep, thing, the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast that you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keep my works until the end, to him I'll give authority over the nations. You know, some of the things that God promises seem a little outside of human reality, but it's when we accept them by faith that they become a reality. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I'll give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word for today is rise. Rise. Let us pray. Father, speak for your servants are listening. Amen. I have a running buddy who runs well, and she's unique when she runs, because all her races, all her runs end in a negative split. A negative split is when the ending times are faster than the beginning times of your race. For example, if you're running a 10K race, and the first 5K you run at five minutes, Per kilometer. You get a negative split when the last 5K you're able to run it at 4 minutes and 30 seconds per kilometer. This particular friend of mine is able to run her races like that. Come here for a moment. Come closer. It is possible to end better than you began. Come on now. Let that sizzle for a moment. It is possible to end much better than you began. It is possible to finish after starting in a certain way, to finish well. It is possible for you to grow in your knowledge of the Bible when you started at a lower place. It is possible to grow your knowledge by reading more books. It is possible to get healthier and to lose more weight than a year ago that you started. I'm trying to say that you and I have the privilege to begin and end much better than we begin. I'm trying to say that you may not be healthy now, but you can get healthy. I'm trying to say that you may not be saving money now, but you can become wealthy. I'm trying to say that you may not be praying well now, but you can pray better 
I'm trying to say that you may not be fasting now, but you can start to fast. I'm trying to say that you may be mean now, but you can become kind. I'm trying to say that where you are doesn't have to be where you stay. You can actually rise. You can get better. You can grow. You can move. You can progress. I, I don't know if you're feeling me yet, but we have a situation in the church of Thyatira like that. They are a church that has gotten better and has grown stronger with Christ. When Jesus is looking at the church of Thyatira, he sees that their love is on the rise. He sees that their faith is on the rise. He sees that their service is on the rise. He sees that their patience is on the rise. In fact, Jesus is clapping for them. When you look at verse 19, Jesus says, I know your works. I know your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. Let's catch that right there. Let's uh, marinate right there. Jesus is saying your first works are not as good as your latter works. You have gotten better. You have progressed. You are, oh my goodness, you deserve a clap. And today I came to tell somebody that you deserve a clap. Uh, You are doing good by reading your Bible every day. You're doing good by praying every day. You're doing good by getting involved in JCC every year. You are doing good by giving God your 10%. You're doing good by being faithful to your wife every day, even when you're not around her, even when you're sending text messages and when you are on YouTube and when you are on Instagram. You're doing good by making sure that you're putting aside $100 every month. You're doing good by making sure that you're checking in and calling in on your family. You are doing good by exercising every day. You are doing good by ensuring that you're avoiding those places that tempt you. You are doing good by ensuring that you are reading every day and making sure that your brain has exercise. And though no one may see your progress, Though no one may see you on the rise, I want you to understand and to know that Jesus can see what you are doing, just like he saw the works of the church of Thyatira. I want you to understand that you are not a professional athlete that needs to perform and to please a crowd. I want you to understand that you are not Novak, the the the. Uh, tennis player. I just couldn't say his last name. You don't have to perform for anybody. You don't have to get a pat on the back for anybody. Uh, But God is giving you a pat on the back because he can see your good works. And on the days when no one sees you grinding, and on the days when no one sees you putting on your shoes and getting out, going to the gym, and putting in the effort that you are putting into your health, 
And on the days when you get on your knees and you pray and you plead with God to take away that sinful heart and to take away those disastrous desires, to take away that temper, to take away that pride, to take away that sin in your life. On the days when you are steadily and stably doing your part, coming in early and leaving late, on the days when you are the first one at worship, on the days when you are the first one at the family altar, understand that God sees you. And though you don't get a pat from anybody, that's all right. You can be happy to know that God is registering your efforts. You can be happy to know that God has kept a back score. You can be happy to know that God is keeping your percentages. You can be happy to know that God is looking over you and he's clapping over you today because he knows you have been consistent. He knows that you have known how to persevere when you didn't know how you could push through in the pain. You understand that, understand that God is watching over you and he sees everything that you are doing. You see, the church of Thyatira is beautiful because they had mastered the art of the rise more than the splash of the premier. Uh, in other words, the church of uh, Thyatira understood However we have started, however good it has been, we have to maintain it. You see, I'm coming for somebody today because we are good at the premiere, but we have not yet mastered the art of the rise. You see, many of us are good at premiering our love by having a good wedding celebration. Uh, we celebrate our weddings at some of the prime locations in Jakarta or in Bandung or in, in Bali, we, we invite our friends and, and, and we create a beautiful event. It's, it's nice. We premiere that well, but how about the rise in marriage? Meaning how to deal with the conflicts, how to resolve them, how to communicate, how to be patient. And some of us are struggling, struggling in our marriages because we have... Focus so much on the premiere that the dream of a good marriage, a dream of things being sweet and nice, but we haven't understood that the rise is when we are able to grow and to let aside some things and to be tolerant over some things. Some of us have been good in premiering for the interview. We, we show up. We give a good interview. We present a good picture of ourselves, our CVs, our resumes, mm, beautiful. But what about the rise in meeting the KPI? What about the rise in dealing with other co-workers that are out to destroy you? What about the rise in making sure that the company is making profits? Some of us have been good in premiering the birth of our kids. We've invited friends to celebrate the first birthday of our daughter or our son. But what about the rise in making sure that that same son knows Jesus? What about the rise in making sure that this same son sees in you a good example of what it means to be a believer? What about the rise in being patient with a child when the child is crying and being fussy? You see, it's easy to premiere. It's not so easy to rise. But I'm glad that Jesus could see that the church of Thyatira understood what it meant to rise. 
And that is why Jesus said, your first works are not as good as your current works. And Jesus is also saying, I know that when I check on you next year, the works of this year are not going to be as good as the works of next year. This is how you and I need to approach our faith experience that we are willing to rise. We are willing to get better. We are not content being at the same place. We are not content of being at the same space. We are not content with the same perspective. We are not content with the same weight. We are not content with the same knowledge of the truth or the same knowledge about the stock market, the same knowledge about how immigration works, the same knowledge about how airplane works, the same knowledge about how mathematics and algebra and calculus works, but rather we are always daily progressing. When Jesus looks at our work, he should be able to say, your current works are better than your first works. Your situation now is better than your last situation. Your knowledge now is better than your last knowledge. Your growth now is better than your last growth. We need to understand that the rise is better, is more important than the premiere. And Jesus is very serious about this. Allow me to run you through some biblical texts uh, just to give us a little bit more of a footing in the idea that the premiere is not as important as the rise. We need to move beyond the premiere and get to the rise. Notice what Jesus says to the church of Ephesus. This is what he drops on them. But I have this against you that you have. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. The church of Ephesus began their faith experience in a beautiful way. I want to imagine that in the circuit of Asia Minor, where the seven churches went, they were the premier church. In other words, they were the first church. They were the first to organize as a body of Christ. They were the first to organize a worship service. They, they put together a liturgy of worship. They were the first to organize a 10 days of prayer. They were the first to organize a good preaching ministry. They were the first to organize a good uh, ministry in helping the poor and those who didn't have. Uh, they, they premiered well. They, they started well. And they had a fervor for Christ. They were on fire for Jesus. But what they failed to understand was that that was just the beginning point. They had to rise and continue in that. And so when Jesus is looking at the church, he's saying, okay, I know what you have done, but it's not what you have done. It's about what you are doing right now. I hope somebody can understand that it's not what you have done. It's about what you have done right now. And so Jesus is saying, you have abandoned your first love. You have let go of the premiere, how you began, how good you were. You have let go of that. It is no longer the same. Therefore, I need you to come back to what it was at the very, very beginning. So the rise is a situation in which when you have premiered something, whether it be a project, whether it be a new business, whether it be a new opportunity to serve the Lord, whether it be a new relationship, whether it be a new investment, whatever it may be that you premiere in your, in your life, you need to take how you premiered it and move along with that and continue to grow. 
For a minimum, it should never be less than how you premiered it. But for a maximum, it should be greater than how you premiered it. And if you are all are not moving at how you premiered it, you need to be able to go back to how you premiered it. You need to be able to go back to how you showed it. And now you need to continue in that and continue to grow. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I want you, Ephesus, to go back to how you premiered your love for me, to go back to how you were preaching for me, to go back to how you were giving for me. And somebody today needs to be able to do the same thing. You premiered in a great way. You gave your life over to Jesus. You started to be involved in the church. You were there giving your money. You were there whenever there was a program. You were there when people are needed to support something. Jesus is saying to you, please go back to how you premiered it. And not only that, I want you to rise now in how you premiered it. In 2022, I need you to ask yourself some very serious question, questions. You need to ask yourself questions like this. Am I going to be consistent in my study of the scriptures? Am I going to understand the 27 books of the Old Testament? Am I going to know the, the, the 39 books of the Old Testament, forgive me, and the 27 books of the New Testament. Am I going to have an, a, a, a dynamic understanding of their relationship? Why are they organized uh, the way they are organized? How are they connected? Am I going to get there? Do I have a plan of what I'm going to do every Sabbath? Am I going to be involved in a church program? Am I going to donate uh, to a ministry? Am I going to serve? You see, you're not just going to rise on your own. You will need to think about it and plan on it if you want it to truly, truly rise. Uh, let me take you to another passage. And that is in Job 17, verse number 9. And I'm borrowing the words of Job. Uh, he says it like this. Yet the righteous holds to his weight. And he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. Uh, let's just marinate on the text for a moment. Jesus, not Jesus, Job says, yet the righteous holds to his way. Uh, to put it in a way that we can relate to discernment, he says, when a righteous person has premiered a certain path, a certain plan, a certain mission, a certain project, they hold to it. And they make sure that they grow stronger and stronger in it. They make sure they add more knowledge. They make sure that they add more muscle. They make sure that they add more endurance. They make sure that they add more growth. That's how they do it. So that's what the rise is about. It's about getting stronger and stronger in what you have started. Let me drop another text. And I'm borrowing the words of Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the earth after Jesus. Notice what he says. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Let's check that. It says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. In other words, the, 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 the righteous begin their growth or their rise like the day. It is not as bright at the beginning of the day, but as the day goes by, they get brighter and brighter. You see, when you're on the rise, you become brighter and brighter. You become smarter. You become more wiser. You let go of immature thinking. 
You let go of immature behavior and you mature. You grow. You are enlightened. Your perspective sees things in a little bit different way. You begin to understand that unforgiveness is really a way of darkness. And you will begin to see that the enlightened way is to forgive others even if they have not asked for forgiveness, even if I forgive without their agreement. You see, when you are rising, you are enlightened to understand that you need to live your faith the same way you confess your faith. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, then you will live your life as Jesus is Lord. When you are enlightened, there is an agreement between your confession and your actions. And so Paul, not Paul, Solomon says that the faith of the righteous, the path of the righteous is a rise that is enlightened. Let me drop some more texts on you. Picking up the words of Jesus in John 15, verse number two. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Uh, Notice what Jesus is saying. Those who rise know how to cut away what's dead. Those who rise understand that if something is rooted to them, something is a branch in their life, it needs to grow and to rise. They do not keep dead things in their environment or in their ecosystems. They find a way to prune, 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 prune. Some of us need to do a little pruning today. We need to prune some ideas in our lives. We need to prune some investments in our lives. We need to prune some people out of our lives because their existence and their their presence in our lives is not a help. It's a hindrance. And so the father understood that if anything is not bearing fruit, it's not productive, it needs to be cut away. And there are some things today that you will need to cut away if you're going to rise. There are things you need to cut away if you're going to grow. There are things you need to cut away if you're going to take the next step. If you will want to be the, a better CEO, there are things that you might need to cut away. If you want to be a better doctor, there will be some things that you will need to cut away. If you want to be a better preacher or a better pastor, there are some things that you need to cut away. If you need to be If you want to be a better mother, to be a better father, there will be some things that you need to cut away. There'll be some things you need to prune to get out of your system because they're not helping you rise. Rather, they're taking you down. They're bringing you down and they're keeping you at a level that is not suitable for you, that is beneath you. And so Jesus says, if you want to rise, you got to prune it away. But perhaps you're thinking of me as a motivational speaker. Uh, Let me make this a little gospel centric for you. Peter speaking in his epistle in the second chapter, in the second epistle or the second letter in the third verse. I mean, the third chapter, forgive me, y'all. In the third chapter, in the 18th verse, he says it like this. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You see, even 
your faith in Jesus requires you to grow. Uh, Peter says it well, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let me pose a question to you. Do you know Jesus better today than you knew him last year? Have you understood Christology, which is the life and work and ministry of Jesus? Do you know what Jesus was before he came to earth? Do you realize that he was God? Uh, do you understand that he was the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament? Uh, do you know that he was the one who came to visit Abraham and the one whom Abraham spoke to? Do you know that he was the one who stopped Abraham from killing his son? Do you know that about Jesus? Do you know that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Do you know that he is the morning star? Do you know that he is the rose of Sharon? Do you know that he is Shiloh? Do you know that he is Jerusalem? Do you know that he is the man of peace? Do you know that he is the great counselor? Do you know Jesus more today than you did last year? You see, some of us know Jesus as Savior, the one who died for our sins, but we have not yet encountered him as Lord, as somebody who demands our obedience, who demands our obeisance, who demands our reverence, who demands that he is present in our lives. Some of us are praying the same prayers that we prayed 20 years ago. Some of us are reading the same books that we read 20 years ago. Some of us are at the same place with our God. We have not yet elevated. Talk about giving a lesson study. We can't do it. Talk about giving a little bit of a talk about the Bible. We can't do it. Hey, can we give a doctrine on the Sabbath and give a Bible study on that? No, we, we, we cannot do it. We just know that the Sabbath is the seventh day. Some of us don't know the, the, the fact that the, the, the texts of Scripture are arranged in a particular thematic way that they actually agree. If you want to understand Isaiah, you will need to begin with the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, because that sets the foundation. And then you need to understand the historical situation of Israel before you get to Isaiah to fully comprehend what's going on. Uh, do you understand that you cannot understand the New Testament unless you are seated and you sit at Matthew and Luke and Mark and John, they are the prime texts of the New Testament. And then you need to go to the historical section called Acts. And then you begin to understand the situation of the apostles and the epistles and the letters. And then finally you come to Revelation where Jesus is revealed. But some of us don't know that. Uh, we don't really understand that yet. Uh, we don't know the needed details of the scriptures. And it's not that we can though, it's because we just don't invest the time. But yet, we need to rise in our knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And you cannot know Jesus. You cannot get deeper with Jesus unless you sit at the feet of Paul. Unless you sit at the feet of David, and Malachi, and Micah, and uh, Josiah, and Joel, and Habakkuk, and Haggai. Until you sit at their feet, you cannot know Jesus better. And so if we are going to rise, we will need to appreciate the importance of study and getting deeper into it. Because the rise is everything. And Jesus jubilated when he looked at the church of Thyatira on the rise. He was happy.
that they were on the rise. But then he individuates a situation in Thyatira that I want you to pay attention to. Notice what he drops in verse 20. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. The church of Thyatira is on the rise. But at the same time, the symbolic Jezebel is on the rise. They are on the rise. The symbolic Jezebel is on the rise. It's like going to the gym, lifting weights, and eating McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what's happening in this situation. So Jesus is saying, I I'm, I'm jubilating over your rise, but let me individuate this situation that is happening to you because how come you have Jezebel roaming around? Historically speaking, Jezebel was a bad woman. She was not a lady in the streets and she wasn't even a lady at home. She was mean, she was manipulative, and she was mad. But Jezebel found a dude in Ahab. Oh, Ahab, he loved her. And I don't know how she looked, but uh, I believe that uh, Ahab said, mm, she's fine. But the day that he gave his heart to Jezebel is the day that he also gave away his faith. The day he said, I do, it's the day that he said, I die, because Jezebel destroyed literally the entire nation of Israel. You know that the nation of Israel split into two. The ten tribes formed a nation called Israel, and two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, formed a nation called Judah. So there was that split. The entrance of Jezebel in the biblical movie changes the nation of Israel, the, the nation of Israel forever, because its history was eradicated. And God had no choice but to extinguish their existence through the Assyrians, and they no longer existed. So Jesus is saying, Thyatira, watch out. You are on the endangered species list. Uh, Jezebel is on the loose. She's about to take you out. You are tarnishing. You are tainting. You are polluting your eyes because Jezebel is on the loose. So please understand me that you should not allow your eyes to be tempted by anything that shouldn't be allowed in your life. In the movie, The Ice Road, a methane explosion traps miners underground. Katka Mining Company is responsible for their rescue. To rescue these men who are trapped underground, Katka needs to drill in the ground using wellheads. But they discover that the wellheads are not on site. They need the wellheads that are far away that require either plane transport or truck transport. 
The decision is made to use track transport and they employ tactical redundancy, meaning that they transport the same wellhead three times in three separate trucks. As the mission is underway, the news has gone out. Katka is going to rescue its men. Three trucks are on the way. They have to travel through the ice road over Lake Manitoba and it's going to be dangerous, but we are going to rescue these men. Katka is interested to rise to the occasion so that their men who are trapped underground could be rescued. But as the mission continues, the first truck is damaged and it drowns in Lake Manitoba. The second truck, the same thing happens that it drowns in Lake Manitoba, the trailer in particular. And before the, the third truck could arrive at Cacta, an avalanche threatens to take it out of the road, but uh, the, the, uh, the driver, these committed men, Mike McCann and Gertie McCann and Tan to ensure that the truck arrives at Katka. And they're able to mount the wellheads and drill these men out and they are rescued. Katka is able to rise to the occasion. But right after this glorious triumph, right after Katka rises to the occasion, uh, the story comes out that the general manager of Katka is to blame. Because he turned off the Mathan sensors. And that's why the Mathan explosion happened in the first place. Had the sensors been on, these men would not have been trapped underground. It is also discovered that this same general manager was responsible for the destruction of the two trucks. And he was also responsible for the avalanche that almost took out the last truck. You see, this fictional story helps us to see that sometimes in the pursuit of the rise, uh, we can overlook some stuff. That sometimes we're fixated on costs and profits and reaching our goals and increasing our net worth. That in the process, we, we overlook important principles like fairness and the priority of human life and the need to do right. And that's what Jesus is after in the church of Thyatira. He's saying, you're on the rise, but there are some important things that you are, you, you, you are missing. There are some important things that you are passing by. And so please hear me carefully that if you're going to rise, do not taint your eyes. And please believe that if you're going to rise in your biblical knowledge, you need to rise in your fairness, in your fairness. Do not be biblical and cheat your boss at the same time. Oh, I just touched somebody right there because some of us are very biblical. We, we can quote scriptures. We can come to church, but we cheat our, our bosses or we cheat our employers or we don't do the best that we can at our jobs. Oh yeah, I'm coming for you right now. Uh, please make sure that you don't increase your running pace while you're still in the deluge of panic that you don't know how to trust God, that you don't know how to be at peace, that you don't know how to be tranquil. 
Please make sure that you don't gain muscle while you live in psychological misery manufactured in your unforgiveness. Please learn to let it go. Learn to let God do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Uh, don't hold grudges. Don't hold it against people. Uh, please make sure that you don't write books but fail to ensure that your name is written in the book of life. Uh, please make sure that you don't spend time with your family but neglect spending time with your JCC family. Oh yeah, I said it. Please make sure that you don't increase in your prayer while you fail to plan. Uh, please make sure that you don't lean on God while you fail to take responsibility for your health, to take responsibility for your money, to take responsibility for your family. Please be intolerant towards the taint. Do not tolerate the taint. Uh, you see, the church of Thyatira had tolerated Jezebel. They had tolerated Jezebel. Uh, you see, what I understood when I was considering this was that the same word that is translated tolerate is translated abandoned in Revelation 2 verse 5 where Jesus says, but this I have against you that you have abandoned your first love. So, so, so check this. In Thyatira, the church is tolerating Jezebel. In Ephesus, the church is abandoning Jesus. So here's the message. The tolerance of Jezebel by Thyatira is really the church abandoning Jesus. I can't hear you say amen, but I'm sure that that hits you right there. You see, the church is on the rise, is getting better, is growing, but they are allowing Jezebel to rise. And by doing that, they are letting go of Jesus. They are drinking the love of Jesus, but at the same time, they are sweating it out because this woman Jezebel is roaming around. So it's very important that you and I do not taint our eyes by allowing things that should not be allowed in our lives. Don't say I'm a Christian, but yet be chained to pornography and chained to alcohol and cha chained to marijuana. Uh, don't be a Christian and, and at the same time be chained to pride and passionate rage. Don't be a Christian and still love money at the same time. It doesn't work like that. Uh, you can't say I'm, I'm going to church, I'm, I'm giving to the Lord, but yet that money is drug money. It doesn't work like that. When it's like that, you are tainting the rise. You see, the situation in Thyatira is, is, is dangerous because the church is abandoning Jesus. They are denying their Lord because they are allowing Jezebel to remain in the, in the space, in the place. You see, when you tolerate something, you tolerate it because you have the capability to tolerate it. You know what I'm saying? If you are stronger, you can tolerate a little, a little mosquito and you can just smack it like that. If you have money, you can tolerate somebody who overspends because you have the money. 
But sometimes we tolerate things because we need to. Because if we don't tolerate this small discomfort, uh, we will not get the goal. So the, the little annoyance is a small price that we're willing to pay. The church of Thyatira was in a situation like that. They had to apply what I call, or businesses call, loss leader strategy. And the loss leader strategy is a strategy that businesses apply when they first begin or if they're in a downturn. They will drop down costs so that they will attract more customers and they eventually believe that by driving down the cost, they'll get more customers and then the more customers will make up for the loss anyway. And that is why fast food restaurants are actually able to give you cheap food because they drive down cost in hopes that many people will continue to come and it works. So the church of Ephesus applied loss leader strategy because in order to work in Thyatira, you had to join a guild. There was no profession, whether you were a doctor, you were a baker, you were a policeman, you were a pastor, you were a teacher, you were a businessman. You could not do any profession in Thyatira unless you belonged to a guild. You had to sign up and be a member of a guild. That was a must. But joining these guilds was a problem because a lot of these guilds, as a text reports to us, required you to do things that were not in agreement with your faith. In particular, in our text, eating food sacrificed to idols and committing sexual immorality. So any Christian who did anything in Thyatira was required to be at these parties to celebrate the gods of Thyatira. One of them being Apollo, the god of, of power. He, in fact, Apollo is known as the son of God. That is why Jesus presents himself to Ephesus, uh, not Ephesus, but Thyatira as the son of God, uh, because that's how they worshiped Apollo. There's a reason why Jesus presents himself as uh, the one who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, because Thyatira was known for its, its great industry and its manufacturing but in order for you to be able to do all of these things, you had to join these guilds that did things that were not in agreement with your faith, that did things that threatened your relationship with Jesus. And some of the Christians in Thyatira gave up their faith. Uh, they, they, they applied a loss leader strategy in order to earn a living and still be able to go to church, they concluded, wait a minute, we got to work for ourselves. Wait a minute, we got to sustain ourselves. So if we must go to a party and eat sacrifice, eat food sacrifice to idols and commit a little sexual morality, that's a small price we're willing to pay because our livelihood depends on it. And guess what? We have many Christians who apply the same loss leader strategy, they will conclude, it's okay for me to work on Sabbath as long as I have a job. They'll conclude, it's okay for me not to stand up for my faith at work as long as I have a job. It's okay for me to do this in order for me to survive. I'll put up with disrespect. I'll put up with, uh, I'll, I'll forget my principles in order for me to survive. And that's why this church, Thyatira, was putting up with Jezebel because it was their meal ticket. 
It was their means to a promotion. It was their means to travel. It was a means to have housing and, and rental. It was their means for them to be able to buy new clothes. It was a means for them to be able to ride a new, new car. It was a means for them to survive. So they said, we can lose a little bit in order for us to survive. We can lose a little bit in order for us to make it. We can lose a little bit in order for us to be able to have food on the table. But Jesus says, no, you cannot apply a loss leader strategy in your faith. You cannot give up me in order to gain the world. You cannot give up me in order to be cool. You cannot give up me in order to get into the club. You must be able to maintain me and still get in the club. You must be able to maintain me and still get a promotion. You must still be able to maintain me and be in a relationship. You must be able to maintain me and still be able to give your money. You must be able to maintain me no matter what you do. You cannot apply a loss leader strategy. New Testament scholar Leon Morris posed a very important question to this text. This was a question. How far should a Christian accept and adapt contemporary standards and practices? This is a question you and I need to ask ourselves. How far are we willing to go to adapt, to contextualize, to contort ourselves to culture, uh, to get in, uh, to get our jobs, to get our promotions, to get our qualifications? H how much are we willing to do in order for us to, to, to fit in? You see, I want to present to you what I call the burden of the rise. You see, the burden of the rise is this. You must be able to rise while carrying the flag of Christ, but also you must be able to rise as a flag-carrying member of society. In other words, you must be a Seventh-day Adventist and, and an Indonesian at the same time. Uh, you must be a Christian and a manager at the same time. You must be a Christian and a pilot at the same time. You must be a Christian and a doctor at the same time. And both of them, you must do them well. I call this the burden of the rise. You see, you got you, you to be careful that you don't lean one way and not lean in the other way. You got to be balanced. That is the burden of the rise. Uh, Leon Morris says it well. He says, the cause of Christ is not served if Christians appear as a group of old-fashioned people always trying to retreat from the real world. It's not served like that. The cause of Christ needs us to be in the world, to join programs, to be invested in these celebrations, to be a part of the world, but at the same time, to be Christians at the same time. You see, the burden of the rise requires you to be a great Christian and a great businessman at the same time. You see, the burden of the rise requires you to be a great doctor and a great Christian at the same time. The burden of the rise requires you to be in corporate Indonesia among other faiths and still be a great Christian at the same time. You see, the burden of the rise requires you to be able to work six days a week and still be able to rest one. The burden of the rise requires you to be able to go to work and still attend our prayer box ministry 
every midweek at 7 p.m. via Zoom. Come on, y'all. It's on Zoom. You don't have to struggle with match it. At least you can come for our prayer meeting. You see, the burden of the rise is what Jesus lays on the church of Thyatira in verse 24 to 26. He says to them, but to you, but to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, right there. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The Greek has three words for burden. There is the word that implies weight, things all over you, like you're taking off stuff, like your clothes, that, that's, that's one idea of a burden. There's another idea of a, of a burden that you pick up something, perhaps weights. Some of us pick up weights at the gym. That's a burden that we pick up. Some of us uh, pick up clothes. That, that's a burden. We pick up a weight. But there's the third understanding of a burden. That is when you accept a burden because of responsibility. And that's why parents exist. And that is why we have pastors. That is why we have people that get into responsibilities. And that is what Jesus is saying right here. I'm only giving you one responsibility. This is the only burden you need to carry as you're rising. You need to hold on to me. You need to hold on to what you have until I come. Jesus is saying, hold on to me until I come. Hold on to me because I'm all you have got. Hold on to me because I am everything. Hold on to me because I can save you. Hold on to me because I know how to deal with your depression. Hold on to me because I know how to deal with your panic attacks. Hold on to me because I know how to carry you when you have lost your net worth. Hold on to me because I know what it means to be without, but yet to have everything. Hold on to me because I'm the one who spoke and it happened. Hold on to me because I'm the one who is Jehovah Jireh. Hold on to me. I am Jehovah Nisi. Hold on to me because I am the one who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Hold on to me because I am the true son of David. Hold on to me because I am the son of God and the son of man all in one. Hold on to me because I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the open door. I shut and no one can open. I close and no one can open. I open and no one can shut. Hold on to me because I hold the whole world in my hands. Hold on to me because I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hold on to me because with me, you have the bright and morning star. Hold on to me because I am able to give you a way out of your sins. Hold on to me because I'm the one who climbed on the cross and I cried out, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they have done. Hold on to me because I'm coming back again soon. Hold on to me because when you have me, you have everything else. And so Jesus says, as you are rising, Make sure that you don't let me go. Make sure that you keep me. Make sure that I'm a staple and a stay in your life. Hold on to me. Because when you got me, you have nothing as good as me. Hold on to me because there's nothing better than me. Hold on to me because I am all in all. 
Microsoft Word has been all in all to me. Microsoft Word has been with me since 2001. When a teacher gave me book reports to write, I used Microsoft Word. When I went to college and I had research papers to write, I used Microsoft Word. When I needed to write a letter, I used Microsoft Word. When I did my master's thesis, I used Microsoft Word. And when I preached sermons for JCC, I used and I use Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word has been with me all along. The other day I was talking to Pastor Benjamin and he tells, he tells me, I hate Microsoft Word. I love pages. So that was just a thought. But what he didn't realize is that he planted a thought in my head against Microsoft Word. Last Sabbath, as I was finishing up a Bible study, I made a blunder. I spilled water on my laptop. And the water sipped through the the screen and damaged the screen and I had to take the laptop to get fixed to get it fixed and the first worry was what am I going to do to write sermons and do my work I gave the laptop in and it's it's been looked at but it's going to take three months for the laptop to come back but on that day as I was looking for the receipt for the laptop so that I can take it to the service center I stumbled upon my old laptop and the moment I touched it, it turned on. And please believe, my laptop, the old one, hasn't turned on for over a year. But the moment I touched it, it turned on. I quickly set up my Bible study software. I quickly set up everything. And then I started working on this sermon right now. And I started working on this sermon right now. I said, I'm not going to use Microsoft Word. Let me use Pages thinking about the thought that Pastor Benjamin had planted in my head. But then I quickly realized, I said, no, if I start using pages, I'll need to learn the program again. I'll need to, uh, to study the features again. And all of the sermons that I've been writing, they're all in Microsoft Word. So why am I going to bring in a different format? Come closer. Come closer right now. You see, Jesus is still suitable today. Jesus is still useful today. Uh, you might be tempted to try something new. Like I was tempted to try pages. I have used pages. It works, yes, but uh, there is nothing like Microsoft Word. And so in that moment, I, I came back to Microsoft Word and this sermon is been written on Microsoft Word and we're doing just fine. The sermon is going just fine. I've written just fine. And so I was encouraged to hold on to Microsoft Word, to hold on to it and not let it go. There are going to be nicer things that are going to come along your way. There are going to be more creative things that are going to come your way. There are going to be more attractive things that are going to come your way. There are going to be things that are going to try to lead you away. But please hold on to Jesus and don't let him go because he will still sustain you. He will still support you. He will still strengthen you. He is your all in all. You need wisdom. Jesus 
has got it. You need strength. Jesus has got it. You need money. Jesus has got it. You are looking for a way out of your problem. Jesus has got it. He's still suitable and he's still useful. He's still needful. And you need him today more than you needed him yesterday. And the church of Thyatira is reminded by Jesus. Please rise. But rise with me. Please progress, but please progress with me. Please make a movement, but move with me and do not let me go. You see, the good thing about Jesus is that even when we have fallen, he is willing to give us a way out. And I just want to end it on, on this note. Uh, he tells the church of Thyatira in verse 21, I gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. You see, when you have fallen, Jesus is willing to give you time to rise up again. Amen, somebody. And today I know I'm talking to somebody who has fallen. You have left Jesus. You have been rising in your career, but you've been falling in your faith. You've been rising in your relationships, but you've been falling in your faith. Jesus says, I give you time to rise today. I, I give you time to repent. I give you time to change. And today, brother and sister, you can rise up again because Jesus is still extending his hand to you and saying, hold me and let's rise together. In 2022, he wants you to rise higher than you've ever been. He wants you to be greater than you've ever been because it is God's ideal for his children to be higher than the highest, to be greater than the greatest. But you'll never get there unless Jesus is leading the way. you never get there unless Jesus is the center of it all. And today you can say, I rise. I rise. Uh, let us pray for the God. We rise today. We stand up today. We move up today because of Jesus. Teach us how to rise. Teach us how to connect. And teach us how to know. May your name be praised. And may your name be glorified today. And I humbly pray and ask all of this in the name of Jesus. If you have been inspired by this sermon and you would like to give your life to Jesus, you can still do the same. The number on the screen will be indicated. If you're on Facebook, send us a message. We want you to rise with Jesus. We want you to get better with Jesus. Take care. God loves you. And I'm going to see you very soon. There's something I love about the Word of God, and that is it always does something in our heart when we listen to it. And I bet that God has spoken to you in some, in some specific fashion or manner. Right now, I want to give an opportunity to respond. The number's on the screen. Reach out to us. We are on YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. We are right there. You can catch up and connect with us. And we'll be more than glad and happy to help you because we are here to help you. Uh, so that you can live the life that you need to live. And so do not waste another second to get in touch and to connect. And I believe that God is going to bless you. And once again, I want to implore you, if you want to connect and help this ministry to do what it is doing and to continue reaching other places and reaching other hearts, please donate at the account on the screen. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.